0: You are listening to a weekend message from New Life Church in Fort Smith. We would love to connect with you, so find us on Instagram or Facebook at NLC Fort Smith. Enjoy the message.
1: We're going to pray uh, over this message. If you got a Bible, go to Jeremiah chapter 18. And no matter where you are on your walk with God, if you understand, like, This chapter of the Bible, you can understand what God is wanting to do in your life. Like, a lot of times we pray for specific, like, I want to know where I need to live, and I want to know what I'm going to do, and am I going to marry somebody, or am I going to be, I don't know. You know, we want all these specific things. I can tell you that this, what we're going to talk about, is God's will for your life. If you get this right, the specifics of your life will take take care of themselves. So it's going to be good. So, this sermon, though, when it was originally preached in the Old Testament, it had a horrific response to the sermon. And so, like, when I start thinking about different responses of sermons that we preached around here, or different places, I just start, I started thinking, like, the second sermon I preached, ever. I was just super young, they should have never let me have a mic in the hand. my hand. I was in the middle of preaching the sermon, and I realized I was taking the Word of God out of context. And then I was preaching, I was like, oh wait, in the back of my mind, I was like, that's not what it means. And then I was like 12 minutes in, I didn't know what to do, so I just stopped and said, I think we're done. And then uh, I walked down to the front, my mom was sitting right there in the front row, and she put her arm around me, and she goes, that's the best sermon I have ever heard in my whole life. And I said, mom, I took the whole sermon out of context. And she goes, who cares about all of that? So thank God for great moms. Amen. One time when Bridget and I were pastoring in New York City, we had been pastoring this church for a few weeks, and people made a banner. And they made a sign in the back that says, we want our old pastor back. And they held it up in the middle of the sermon. So I didn't know what to do, so I punched them all in the face. But I (laughs) did But then I thought, uh, some of you will remember, because this was on the news, There was a pastor in Tulsa that was preaching. This several years ago. And somebody walked up and punched him in the face. And he started bleeding down the side of his face. Does anybody in here remember this on the news? And so, then the pastor, like... He just said, let's stop and pray for him. And their security came down and he punched a couple of other people in the face. And the whole congregation was like, could we pray for this man uh, that God would touch his life? And I thought that would never happen at the Fort Smith campus. We pray for you after we tase you. Amen. (laughs) So this sermon, okay. Jeremiah speaks in Jeremiah 18 and he's talking about God is the potter and you are the clay. And that He is in total control. And He is going to shape you as He sees best. And so you have an option of you trying to shape your own life. You know, that's the American dream. You know, I get to pursue the life I want and live the life I want. As believers, we go, there is a heavenly Father in heaven that's going to shape our life. This sermon was so unpopular. Nobody ever wanted it to make the Bible, first off. But when Jeremiah finished preaching this sermon, the king of the day had him shackled, chained, and he said, I'll show you who will shape who. And he contorted his body in chains and said, I'm the one who shapes everybody. And and it was so brutal that it just, it really messed with, with Jeremiah as a prophet. God ministered to him while he was being tortured. This is why this is so important. All of hell comes against Jeremiah 18 and you understanding it. Satan hates it. Satan wants to distract you this morning because if you get this, you can go, I know how to make sense of what God is trying to do in my life and I know my part in, in Him shaping me and I know His part in shaping me. You guys ready? So Brooke, because she has an education from Texas, is going to read. All right, <laughs> let's go. I'm from Louisiana. I fumbled the ball out on this. All right, let's go. Jeremiah
0: 18, 1-6 says... The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand.
1: I just love this. And so Jeremiah teaches this, and Isaiah also, the prophet, picks up on this as well. Why don't you go ahead and read Isaiah 64 8. Listen to this same language.
0: But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are potter, and all we are the work of your hand.
1: All we are the work of your hand. Everybody here, we are the work of God's hand. Amen? If you go like, I'm a self-made man, I don't want to go to heaven being a self-made man. I want to go to heaven, God going, I had my hands on your life your whole life. Amen? So, why don't you pray, and then we'll dive into this sermon.
0: Father God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come together to your house and to worship you and praise you because you are good and you are kind and you are faithful to your people. God, I thank you for the word that is going to be spoken this morning. I pray that our hearts would be open and the eyes of our understanding would be opened that we could receive everything you have for us today. Thank you for what you're doing inside of us. Thank you for growing us up in your ways. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, (laughs) man. When God God decided to make man, this is what he did. Uh, He took dirt and put it in his hands. And the Bible says he formed man, and then when it came to women, he fashioned women. I don't know why there is a difference, but fashion means you're just a little bit more beautiful. I don't know, intricate, you know, a Cajun way of saying it. He complicated things. All right, so that's fashion. But with man, and he formed him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He took dirt in his hands, and that Hebrew word form means he squeezed it. He put pressure on it, squeezed it, and then out of that man came. So after you're 45 years old, we look in the mirror and go, that's exactly what he did. Because I just felt like I kind of plopped out of his hands. All right, you look in the mirror. So this, and so, listen, God is Father. He is Savior. He is Provider. Isn't that interesting? And most of the songs that we sing and worship God, it's about Him being a Father, you know, Him being a Savior, Him being a Provider. He is also a potter. Isn't it something that when God... When people get mad at God, listen to what I'm about to tell you. When people get mad at God, they don't get mad at him as being a father. He's like, he's just there too much. You know? Every time I turn around, he listens to me all the time. You know, we write songs saying he's a good, good father. Right? And we don't get mad at him being savior. Like he just saves all the time. Why does he do that? We don't get mad at him being a provider. It's just like he, he gave me too much, ticks me off. We get mad when he begins to put pressure on our life to take us from being shaped by the image of the world to being shaped into the image of Christ. And when we are being shaped, it's going to take some pressure because he's going to do some definite things inside of you. But I will tell you this, if you don't get this down, I'll make a promise, and it's a negative promise. If you don't understand this and allow God to do this work, You will get to the end of your life and feel totally unfulfilled. Because there is a part of you in your heart that knows that your life is meant for something more. You think about Elvis when he died. He died at 42 years old. He was overweight and he had a drug overdose. He had everything the world had to offer. He could sing and dance. That's unfair. Like, to do both of them. He wasn't good looking. And all the women were after him. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's just like, he had all the fame, all the money. He could afford anything. Every 10 years, they put a greatest hits album out of him. Every 10 years, it goes to number one for at least a week. I mean, he's still selling records over and over. When he died, they interviewed his wife, Priscilla. And this, it was just heartbreaking to hear what she had to say about him. She said this, Elvis never came to terms with who he was and who he was really meant to be. He always thought that there was some divine purpose in his life. He thought he was on this planet for a reason. And then there's some talk back and forth. And she said, no, she said, he thought he was here maybe to preach, maybe to serve, maybe to save. He always knew he was here to care for people. And that agonizing desire was always with him every day and he knew he wasn't fulfilling it. So he'd go on stage and perform so he wouldn't have to think about it anymore. And you think about so many people in our lives, you know that God... God put me here. He took dust in the hands. He's forming me for a specific purpose and a specific reason in my life. If you never tap into that, you'll get to the end of your life and go, it was missing something. I mean, i talked to to a guy a few months ago, and it was his last day, I was his last person he talked to, and you know what he said? He said, do you think it was all worth it? Did I do it right? He could barely talk, and he was just wondering. He was like agonizing, knowing he was about to meet his maker. I'm going to tell you that for every pastor around here, how Brandon and Jess, aren't you proud about how they're leading the congregation? Isn't that amazing? (laughs) Proud of them. All the pastors and leaders around here, like we envision you standing before God one day, and he goes, you did it. Well done. We think about that day. That day happens if you get this correct in your mind. He's the potter and I'm the clay. What does clay, what do you need to do to help the potter mold you like clay? Here's the first one. Number one, clay can only be molded by water. Write that down. You talk to any potter and you say, what do I need? He's like, I got to get some dust. And you go, well, as a person, that's me. He made me out of the dust of the ground. But if you're going to be in the hands of a potter, where he can shape and mold, uh, listen. And, and if you're taking notes, write it down like this: he, 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 A potter needs pure water with no toxins in it. If it has any toxins in it, it can't mold the clay. It's going to ruin the clay. It needs pure water. I, Brooke and I know a, a, a lady who's a potter. She teaches pottery classes. And we were talking about all of this, and she said, "I need, it needs clay, needs water over and over and over again." And without water, clay becomes crusty, right? It begins to waste away, and you have to start all over with it again. And this is one thing that she told me. She said, it's not that it's unusable forever. You don't throw it away. You just pick it up and go, we're going to start all over again. I love that. Like some of you, this is what God wants to do in your life today, is just go, why don't we start over again? Well, what are we going to start over again? We're going to start over with water. What is the water that God uses to mold you? Would you write this down? It's the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 5, listen to how Paul says it. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to sanctify her, cleansing her, well, listen to this, by, wa- by the washing with water through the Word. Everybody say water through the Word. So if you say, you know what, I want God to have His hands on my life. And whatever He wants to make out of my life, that's what I want. How many of you guys really want that? You really want that in your life? Then this is what you got to continually do. This water is like, this word is in a picture. you got to get this word in your mind, in your spirit, in your soul. And when you do this, and the Bible tells us to do this every single day. When you do this every day, God can put His hands on your life every day. If you get to the end of this year and you go, my life is no different than it was last year. I'm the same as I was in 2020. 2019, kind of the same. Changed my hairstyle. Kind of the same though. You know, same as 2017. I'm still showing up. I'm not changing because you ain't letting God work with any water. And it has to be pure water. And everybody listen to what I'm about to say. In the last two years, we've had people that wanted us to add something to the water of the word. They'd be like, could you, could you add some politics? Ah, I'm really ticked off. You'd feel that pressure. Could you add some, some of the justice stuff going on? Because I'm kind of ticked off about this. And we could sit up here and give you our opinions all day long. But when we add anything to the word, God can't shape your life like he wants to. It's the purity of Scripture that you get inside of you. It's not the purity of my opinions, though y'all know I'm right about just about everything. All right? It's the purity of Word. So how does this happen? If you're taking this, on you write this down. You have to first humble yourself. This is the hardest thing for me. Because humility creates thirst. When, uh, we went on vacation with the Cottons this summer. Uh, we stopped at this gas station. We were driving out to Colorado. I stopped at a gas station. I don't know why this is about me, but this is truth about me. I rarely ever think I'm wrong, okay? Because I'm right so many times in a row. You know what I'm saying? And so how many of you ever struggle with this? Like, you, you get blindsided with you're wrong. Let's just say, raise your hand. There's my people. All right, so we're at the gas station. I'm gassing up. I said, I got to go use the restroom. So I went in to use the restroom. I walk in the restroom, and there is a lady washing her hands at the sink. And I said, "Uh, excuse me, man. She looked up. I said, you're in the wrong restroom. She said, why don't you back up and try to read the door again? And I was like, Woohoo! She must be from Arkansas. So then I just... Or Oklahoma, I don't know. So then I was back. I backed out and it said women. And so then I got embarrassed, you know. I go back out to the car and I'm like, I just immediately always think they're wrong and I'm right. And then I was like, you know, it was dumb to have the restroom on the right for the women. Women should be on the left. Men should be on And then I was just arguing about it. Because this is just me. This is a sense of pride. When you have humility, okay? Let's apply this. This is an attitude you have with humility. God, I'm lost without you. I'm helpless without you. When I don't have your word in me, I tend to walk in circles in life. I lose direction. I'm just flowing with the crowd with what everybody else is doing. God, I'm hopeless without you. I need you. Humility creates a thirst for the Word of God. And listen to me, you have to violently overthrow pride in your life. When I see pride in me or somebody else sees pride in me, it's, it's sitting on a throne and it has to be violently overthrown, okay? Okay. So he said, the first thing I've got to do is get the water of the word in me. Secondly, clay must be separated. As soon as a potter starts, takes the water, takes the dirt, puts it on the wheel, starts shaping it. What can that that potter feel in its hands? There's some things in here that shouldn't be in here. And, the, and, and listen, and this, this is what the, the potter that we were talking to, her name's Britton, she said, I can feel the smallest little pebble in there. I can feel hard pieces of sand in there. Little twigs, I get them out immediately. I said, Well, can't you just add more dirt to it? She goes, As long as it's in there, it's going to be weak. And it can't hold anything long, it'll crumble. She said, this is the hardest, the most delicate part of creating pottery is that I just take the time to separate some things. So I want you all to see this. When Jeremiah is preaching, this is where the whole nation turned against him. Is when he applies this in verse 11. And I want to walk through this slow. And then I'll tell you how this applies to everybody in here. This is what he says. Uh, Jeremiah 18, he says, let's all read this together. You ready, class? The the, the 915 service, they were terrible at this. All right, let's get this right. You guys ready? I told them these are the spirit-filled, God-fearing people in here. You ready? All right, you ready? One, two, three. Return now, everyone, from his evil way, and make your ways and your doings good. This verse got him tortured. But this verse is for everyone. Because when, listen to me, when things need to be separated in your life, watch how he says it. If you, if you have this in your Bible, you can, we're going to go through every couple of words here. He says, return when? Now. Everybody say, return now. I remember when I was 18 years old and God was convicting me of the life that I lived. This is what I thought in the back of my mind. You know what? I, I'm going to get right with God when I'm t- about 25 kind of live the way I want to you know about 25 I'll, I'll get I, I'll do a few more years of how I'm living life and give it a few years and then I'll get right with God and then listen the Holy Spirit impressed something on my heart and, I, and I, I remember thinking this over and over and over again I'm not dealing with you now to get right later I'm dealing with you now to get your life right right now he says return when now. Then here's the next one. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. Have you ever sat in church and thought that most of the people were more spiritual than you? Have you ever thought that? Raise your hand if you've ever thought that. Okay. That's what I thought when I was dating Brooke. You know, I got saved. You know, everybody has baggage when they get saved. My baggage was a U-Haul truck. Brooke sinned three times her whole life and two of them was on accident. All right. So I just always looked at her. Like it's tough marrying an angel. And then but I, and then I'd sit in church and I would go, look at all of these spiritual people. Here's what God goes. Everybody has something in their life that needs to be separated from their life. Like the potter goes, return now. Everyone, and watch this, from his evil way. Let's say it together, one through three. From his evil way. All right, I want you to write this down. Every one of us has our own personal something we got to deal with. Here's condemnation. This is the difference between condemnation and healthy conviction. Condemnation goes, you bunch of sorry dogs. Every one of you. Everyone. See what the Bible says? Everyone. Y'all know what y'all are doing. Being bad. It's hard for Brandon just to pastor you. I'd hate being them. That's condemnation. Because you know what it is? It's general. You know what a, a conviction is? It's specific. It means I have some areas in my life that I know. Me and the Lord know this, that I need to get right. Could be an attitude. Could be an addiction. It could be a relationship that I need to be separated from. I know if the potter is going to shape me, I have my own personal ways that I got to do. And then he goes, make your ways and your doings good. This is what he's saying. Get the direction of your life and the impact in your life towards the kingdom of God. I'm following you, Jesus, and I'm going to be used by you, God. Everybody said? A couple weeks ago, I was preaching on being born again. And I was at one of our, our campuses. And right when I got to the altar call, we're sitting here. I start the altar call. People started standing up to give their life to Jesus. Boom, boom, boom. We're in the middle of it. Right on the front row, right here where Brooke is sitting, one of the pastors was sitting there. And a red wasp, <laughs> it's just like the devil, came from the rafters and landed right on his arm. And so I can see this. Everybody on the front row can see this. But God's like moving in the place. And it's just sitting there and he just gets still. It's one of Nick's, it's your buddy Amir. It just landed right here on his arm. And he sat there and let that wasp sting him so that he wouldn't make a commotion. And it just stung him and he gets rid of the wasp and he sits there, you know. And so we're talking about it afterwards. He's like, I didn't want to disrupt your altar call. I said, bro, if it landed on me, I'd have disrupted your altar call. You know what I'm saying? So this is what you got to know when he says from your personal way, this your own evil way, you've had some things land on you that you got to get out of your life or it's going to sting you. And he says, I can't shape you and mold you unless I have water first and you let me pull some things out of your life second. Amen. Here's the third thing. For clay to last, this is what I don't like. But this is the one that's true. For clay to last, it must go through the fire. And if clay is watered and separated and heated by fire, it can last a hundred years. It can last, for you, you'd last all the way until you step into glory. But you're going to have to go through fire at some point in your life. And you come out and all of a sudden you're better because you came out on the other side. Back in uh, May of 2020, I got, I got COVID. I had double pneumonia with it. So about three or four weeks ago, I was at the hospital. And they were taking blood. And I said, I want you to check for antibodies. And they said, well, when did you have COVID? I said, I had COVID in May. And they said, well, May? They said, there's no way you have antibodies. I said, I said, it was May of 2020. And they said, well, you for sure don't have any antibodies. I said, listen, I am an antibody, all right? And so I said, I can feel them swimming around. I can still, they just swim all over my body. I can feel them. And and so they said, you don't have antibodies. I said, you want a better lobster tail at Outback? And they're like, all right, we'll check you for antibodies. So they took my blood, the all thing. They came back, you're not going to believe this. You are actually robust with antibodies. And I was so happy. I've never been robust about anything in my whole life. I was like, robust? Say it again. They're like, you're robust. I was like, yeah, I am. You know, I'm so, I could not wait to get home. But if I opened the door, I said, baby. Brooke looked at me I said, you may not want my body, but you're going to want my antibody. And uh, <laughs> thank you. She didn't laugh. And, uh, <laughs> but you have to go through something to get something. Isn't that the truth? And that's true with anything in life. If you never go through any pain, you never go through any disappointment, you never go through any heartache, there is no way for your life to ever be mature. There's no way for your life to ever be tough. There's no way for you to ever have grit unless you go through something onto the other side of it. Every person that has a gift in their life and you're like, I love that gift. They went through the fire for that thing to be what it is. Every person that has a talent and they can do something, you're like... How are you able to do that? It could be a mechanic. It could be an artist. It could be somebody who's a teacher. Whatever it is. You know what they did? They went to the through the fire to get from there to there. There were some early mornings. There was some pain. There was some heartache. There was some disappointment in their life. And it's like when we are believers. I don't know why this is. But when we go through hard times. It's like we hate God during those times like He let us down. And I want you to know, God will grieve through you, with you, through your pain. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But His hands haven't come off the wheel. And So Peter said it like this with with suffering. He said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. He said, don't think it's some strange thing that you got hit by fire. And don't think in your mind, just because I'm saved, I'm in a bubble for the rest of my life. And all of a sudden, Satan got through that bubble. He said, don't think it's a strange thing. He said, like, don't think that. Th- this is what he said. As though some strange thing has happened to you. Look how Isaiah says it Isaiah 48. He says, I've refined you, but not in the way silver is refined. I've refined you, in the furnace of suffering, it's like you're taking the word and you're putting water in you every day. And day. I'm gonna tell you this it took me a long time because I'd read the Bible and not understand it. You know what I'm saying? And I just put it in me, I'd be like, oh, I just put it in me, and all of a sudden, God just kept giving me the greater understanding. Send the Holy Spirit, and He would illuminate things to my life. And I was just, and all of a sudden, I, I, got, I fell in love with the water of the word. Then the separating. There's, there's some times where he's like, you got to get that friendship out of your life if I can mold you. I was like, okay, I got some separating, but the fire, ooh! In the Northeast, there is a pine tree. They're not like here. It's called the jack pine. And they're kind of, they're smaller. And and when they shed their pine cones, their pine cones is not like here. Like when I grew up in Louisiana and Southern Arkansas, you could have pine cone fights in the backyard. Raise your hand if you've ever been a pine cone Fight. Hold on a second. Who has never been in a pine cone fight? Goodness. All right, meet me out on the lawn. All right, right after service, right? But like jack pines are not like pine cones. They don't like just develop and then drop, you know, when they're about to rot. They drop, those things are so stinking tight when they drop to the ground. And they stay that way until there's a forest fire. And somewhere when that heat gets to hundreds and hundreds of degrees, it begins to open up. And it releases seeds out. And after there's a forest fire, all of a sudden you'll see the whole hillside is green because the fire released new seed, which released new growth. So when you feel like the fire has hit my life, maybe it's hit your marriage, maybe it's hit your career, maybe it's hit your physical body, maybe you've lost some people that you love, maybe it's the fire of grief that's in your life. Maybe you feel like you're alone right now. And I am under intense heat and pressure. Could be physical, could be mental, could be in the soul. Let me tell you what's about to happen in your life. There are going to be gifts and talents. Things will be released in your life that you didn't know that was in in there. It was the fire that brought up the best inside of you. The best sermons that have ever been preached ever in the world came out of a fire. That was happening in somebody's life. Some of the best songs that we sing, those hymns came out of a fire. There's music that comes out of this team on stage when they've been through the fire. And when you're going through a fire, you can turn your back towards God or you can say this. God, I know I'm on the wheel. And some of the fires you started, some of the fires Satan started, some of the fires just growing up in Fort Smith, Arkansas started it in my life. But God uses all of it for your good. Amen.